Thank you for joining us on episode 8 of We Watched Watchmen. This is the Comics Pals show where we talk about HBO's Watchmen and uh, break it down. Uh, So this being episode 8 of our show, we are covering episode 8, the penultimate episode of HBO's Watchmen. Joining me as always is Kale. I've always been here. I was here in episode 1, Breaking Down Watchmen. In 1989, I was born, and I was breaking down Watchmen. And in 2027, I will be breaking down Watchmen as I die. Cool. Uh, (laughs) Also here to help us break down Watchmen is Marco. Hey, yo. These gentlemen knew me before there was a concept before as special guest. There you go. Wait, did I say 2027? I heard 2009. I don't even know. Well, that's not good. <laughs> I don't think you know where you are, which I could understand. Um, being in multiple spaces and time at once has to be very jarring. Uh, let me tell you, as someone who's had to operate that way, it's it's very difficult. <laughs> if you've ever gone, if you've ever gone through daylight savings time between three different countries, it's very difficult. All right, well, I want to talk about this episode because episode eight was absolutely incredible. I think a god walks into a bar, a bar, you know, Angela, a bar. Uh, Oh, oh, shit. Sorry, that was good. All right. (laughs) Um, And this episode focuses primarily on the relationship between Dr. Manhattan and Angela. It shows us how they met. Uh, how their relationship progressed over the, you know, relatively short six months that she got to spend with John. Uh, And then, you know, we already know about the 10 years that she spends with Cal. Um, This was, this was fascinating. And it definitely circumvented some of my expectations Um, that I talked about last week in terms of me being afraid of how this would change the way that I see Angela. Kale, what did you think about the relationship that we were presented with here between Dr. Manhattan and Angela? I don't know. It was was really interesting seeing almost a nicer side of Angela. There's a, a... I don't know. You know, she was a, 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 at this point in the epi, uh, in the series, at this at this uh, particular timeline, she's a, a police officer in Saigon, um, and she starts out very uh, uh, rough around the edges. I think because you know a stranger walks up to her at a bar, um, and I think that. As the episode progresses, we kind of gradually watch her fall in love, I guess. Yeah. And the moments between that and um, the the present, which is, f- it's funny that you have to remember that this is a present given the uh, the end of the episode, which I guess we won't get into yeah. yet but uh it's very important to remember that oh boy this is the present um when you juxtapose those it's it's a really interesting uh ride that you go on yeah yeah absolutely 
Um, how about you, Marco? I hmm. the, um, this episode presented a lot of really cool concepts and worked with the being that is Doctor Manhattan really well and in like new ways. So I appreciated a lot of the novelty of it, the character being there and and actually interacting and the the way that the relationship started to get built because you see it from from that perspective and you experience it from that perspective which is something that i think the episode was trying to get across like the the instances of experience and how that doesn't apply and how you can best translate that um so i think i enjoyed the development of the relationship um and kale to your point uh I hadn't. I, I noticed that Angela was acting a little bit different, but I hadn't really paid much notice to it. But you bring up a good point in that you know, before this, she she doesn't go through the the, the trauma of like she goes through the trauma of, with, of with her parents, but not the trauma of the White Knight and you know having to yeah. deal with the yeah. you know all that stuff. So that's a really good point, and, and and you can actually see and feel her character grow in those different instances. Um. In how he you're experiencing them falling in love, but also how you're experiencing her in that time versus 2019. Yeah, and I, I think um, I I looked at her in that in that opening sequence with John as kind of like messing with him, like kind of playing around with him, not really you know taking him seriously. He's not a threat, oh, yeah. right? But he's also yeah, yeah, yeah. in her mind not dr manhattan so she's just you know whatever she's having a drink she's entertaining this idiocy and she's gonna you know tell him to screw off and she'll go home uh in no way did she expect of course what would what would uh, unfold um this episode for me was absolutely tremendous because it so, on the one hand, you have this relationship between Dr. Manhattan and Angela that we see develop really just in this bar. Um, and it's very playful and it's very enjoyable, their conversation. and it, it, But it works as a centerpiece point, as an apex point, to kind of show us everything else as well. Because of the way that Dr. Manhattan speaks and the way he experiences time. And in comics, it's really easy to show that, right? Like in comics, you can just have him, you know, have there be a, you know, a, a panel here showing him somewhere. And he says, in 1956, I'm over here, whatever, right? Like you can go back. You can you can really uh, do a lot of things with that. And the reader is in total control of the experience. Um, but on television... You really, you really have to operate differently. So having this this point of origin, you know, this this bar that can be, you know, the center of everything, I think was a really smart decision. And of course, utilizing uh, his manner of experiencing time, just so intelligent. Um, for anyone who's ever watched uh, Lost, I was a big Lost fan. Anyone who's ever watched Lost will remember the episode of the show called The Constant. Oh, yes. That's, that's the only episode of the show that I have bought. That you have wow. bought as in purchased? 
Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I bought it on iTunes like, right after it came out. Wow. <laughs> so I could watch it. I go back to it every every couple of years. I love that episode. It is a tremendous episode of television. Uh, well, our boy Damon Lindelof actually won an Oscar for it or an Emmy. An Emmy nomination. He didn't win. Uh, an Emmy nomination because of how good that episode was. And um, basically that episode, very similar to this. The character, the, the, this guy, he's like lost in time and he's trying to root himself back in time by getting to his girlfriend who is the the person that sort of brings him back. She centers him. It's very complicated if you've never watched Lost before. But I, I say that to say that Damon Lindelof, in my opinion, took what worked about the constant and applied it in a lot of ways to this episode you can feel the echoes of lost all over this baby and that's great for me as a massive fan of that show um i was worried about dr manhattan being introduced Mm. i was very worried how do you guys feel that they handled him do you feel he was handled appropriately i mm, so i'm gonna answer and then uh, because i have a question for you that that uh for you sean that's really burning on my mind okay um I think that they, I, I equally was, was, was super nervous. Like, I, I didn't know how they were going to present it. I'm not sure. Like, there's so many things that you as a comics fan and then you as somebody who is experiencing a different, the same sort of story within a new medium, uh, you need to get, like, the tone of the tone right. Um, and that's something that we, we commended uh, Jeff Johns in, in Doomsday Clock. You know, he really got those to- the, the, the tone and the, the way that people spoke. So I appreciated the way that they were able to portray John. I think it was appropriate. Um, his voice wasn't what I expected necessarily. I expected something a little bit more along the lines of, uh, from whatever I remember of the, of the movie. Yeah, yeah, um, a little more monotone. Yeah, a little more monotone, and maybe like some kind of effect on it or something, which you, you do get later on in, in certain moments. But you know, it, you can explain it away because obviously he can do whatever he wants. So. Um, but still, th- th- there was an expectation, and I think that it allowed or it gave you enough that you were happy with what you got, even if though it was a little bit different, a little bit more different than what you expected. Like for me, the big thing was just like the voice. Like I get that he can turn his color down, fine. Like th- there was a lot that just fit within the possibilities of Manhattan that worked for me. But then when it actually got to the way that they portrayed time and everything, that's when I was like, okay, cool. They 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 did a good job of I, I feel like like nailing his character. There were some moments that felt monotonous where he would go, he would start like look at look at the camera. It is fifteen, it is nineteen fifty nine. Like 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 all of a sudden and then you go into a thing, which I don't uh Kel, you, you you made a face. Well, so I uh I just read this morning the the episode the issue of the book where he's explaining his whole uh Laurie's whole life to her on Mars. Um and it it starts um in a very similar way to their conver- to Angela and and John's conversation in the bar. Uh you know, he says something to the effect of um oh you're here because of your parents' death. And she goes, what? How could you know that? And he says, oh, you're going to tell me here in 20 minutes. And then she tells him and he goes, what? Your parents died. 
And she goes, yeah, you you already knew that. You told me that. And he goes, yeah, but... And then he goes off. And the exact same thing happened in um, in in Watchmen. And I I had to stop and like reread it and go back and look at it. And I went, this is infuriating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so many echoes and stuff. I really love that. Uh, Marco, what was your question? Um, so you've 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 said on the show um on the main show previously that you don't like when they change the race of a character or perhaps imply a race so i was curious how you felt about him not only being cow and being black in the sense that that was the character he was portraying but also what you thought about how afterwards he stayed in sort of the that figure so this is incredibly interesting because there are so many reasons why that would happen, both in story and meta-wise. And because of that, I'm totally fine with it. So I want to unpack the answer. Um, on one hand, right, they need to have... The show doesn't can't just have it be that Angela's the only minority, right? So her husband being a black person makes all the sense in the world. You know, sure, why not? Obviously, they had an agenda to have Dr. Manhattan appear on the show. They wanted to hide him in Cal. That's fine. Having um, that extra layer of diversity worked for them. Making Dr. Manhattan one of the critical characters of Watchmen now be black could be annoying if it was a hand wavy thing right or if it was something contrived like when they made nick fury black in the comics the way they you know went about that was utterly insane here it makes perfect sense because he was hiding himself and he's god he can look like anyone right he let her choose who he was going to look like, someone that she would be comfortable with. Obviously, she found the dead body of Cal to be attractive, and so she wanted that. And he was like, sure, why not? In the show as well, having the, the idea of God, right, the God of, of this world, having been someone who was white and black and who currently mm. is black in a town that is going through a race war is incredibly fascinating because if you think about it, right, the next episode, they, so the way this episode ends, it's very clear that part one of the plan of the seventh cavalry has been successful. So the next episode, they're going to try and make Keen God. So Dr. Manhattan, black God, Keen, White guy trying to become God. That's going to be a clash. So I don't yeah. Sorry, just before you continue, I, I just point out also that uh in John John Osterman in his original form was a, a young Jewish boy, you know, escaping Germany in World War Two. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot at play there. And because of that, I actually think it's additive rather than reductive i think it adds a layer of intrigue to the story okay do you agree with that um i yes but i would say that maybe he becomes something that doesn't necessarily have 
a race to identify with, like they, it becomes to him a non-factor because it's non-existent to him in that, um, oh my God, what's the, that Vertigo book with the guy with the cape? Oh my God, I'm forgetting. It's like a multi-magical, multi-colored cape. Look it up after you're done talking. Make right. your point. Well, he or transforms into whatever it wants to be. Like it, it can take the body of any sort of person, and so it be the it becomes stories of um, what it is to be different people in different lives, even and experience it in the same with the same person inside it, but using a different body on the outside. So the the person doesn't become attached to that anymore because it has those options it, it, it doesn't it becomes an accessory rather than a, something that's born into it right mm. well the the thing here with dr manhattan is that for him presenting as black is no different than presenting as blue right it's us who attach a value to that and i also think that that in and of itself is fascinating because everyone in Tulsa is ready to go to war over the color of people's skin. And here you have a guy walking around who can look like anybody or anything and doesn't care about that fact. It doesn't matter. Kill, just so we just so we, you know, get get it out there too, how did you feel about uh you know, Dr. Manhattan presenting as black, presenting as Cal? Uh uh, when you, exp- I, I guess I didn't put that much thought into it. Um, were you able to watch it a few times again? Sadly, no. It's been a you busy, this time. busy weekend. Yeah, sure. Um, I only just watched it as I as I usually do. I guess I hadn't really had the time to to process the whole thing. It didn't. Uh, I'm not against it, obviously. Um, there, I guess, there is a, a very small element in the in that moment where it felt just like slightly contrived, I guess. But like when you put it in the fiction of the show and then you know examine it in the meta, it it makes sense. Yeah, I'm pr- I'm pretty pleased with with how they handled that whole thing. Actually, uh, we talked last week about how what was that, Marco? Uh, so it was Shade the Changing Man. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. I didn't read that. We talked last week about how they were going to go about explaining the fact that Cal, was, was he a person? Was he a body that was created? We got that answer here. He was a dead man that was about to be cremated with no, you know, had no family or anything like that. They were just going to, you know, burn his body up and call it a day. And that's who dr manhattan is walking around as which is you know something i was i'm perfectly comfortable with it's sort of a best of both worlds answer in the sense that he was a person he did live a life but angela has no relationship to that person necessarily um it would have been a little too weird if if it was if it was any other way i think so really happy with that. Then we get to see, um, ba- basically we get to f- we get to find out the way in which Doctor Manhattan goes about losing his memory of who he really is, and it involves Ozymandias. 
I really, really liked the way that Ozzy was presented here. This felt like the character that we read about in Watchmen. A lot more so than the Ozzy on Europa. Hmm. I liked his um his his 90s bully look. Yeah. In 2009. In 2009, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, sorry, go ahead. Um, I, I really liked it. I, I didn't think that I would as I was watching it, if that makes sense. Like I, I was seeing it sort of play out and I was like, where's this going? Like, what is, what is happening? Like, is this what they're good? I was trying to get the angle and I don't know. It, it, it clicked. It made sense. It made sense to me. Like, like this is what would happen if the world did just keep get shitty, keep get shitty. Right. Like, Keep get shitty. Keep this getting is what shitty. would happen. This is what would happen if the world keep get shitty. <laughs> Keeps getting shitty. Like he he would have no purpose. He he, he was lost. He he his ultimate plan, the greatest idea he ever come up with, because he is such a narcissist, failed. Um, and then I thought it was very comic booky or very very superhero when he was like, okay that was plan b you know my first plan was much more mild and you know an experiment but this was plan b this was extreme this was serious which gave gravity to what happened in in the comic but made him a very superhero character villain character right i also like that with that being plan a the you know his, his coin or whatever with that being plan a he looked at that and went no, that's not going to work at probably the last second, and yeah. then, and then made Plan B. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Or sorry, he may have even Manhattan may have even played a role in that. You know, he walked into the intrinsic field, and uh, you know, potentially, if if you buy into the fiction of the show, knew about the existence of the the coin i man this fucking show i know man uh (laughs) it's 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 mind-bending and it makes you think about so many different things so yeah so we find out that ozzy played a role in dr manhattan losing his memory this sequence really felt like two characters two men whose time has passed and in an interesting way it felt like a like a microcosm of how we might view Watchmen today if you were to try to keep it going if Watchmen was a comic book that was an ongoing right for example or 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 something similar to that these characters have no purpose anymore Ozzy had no purpose at this point he accomplished his goals at the end of the Watchmen comic, and yet here he is, still around. That sequence is exactly what Alan Moore would never want. Not not the sequence itself, what the sequence represents. Because it, it represents these characters whose missions have been accomplished, who don't need to exist anymore, and, you know, in comics, would just be forced to continue to do something ridiculous and contrived to sell books, as opposed to just ending when the story has been told. This show gives these characters further purpose by doing things around them. 
But you'll also notice that both characters were taken off the uh, map, in, in essence. They're both in hiding because they both don't have a reason to exist anymore until they do. And I love that. It, it, it perfectly exemplifies why we didn't need a Watchmen 2 or a Watchmen Continuance series. And it explains, in my opinion, why these characters were taken off the board in the first place. The other thing we find out is that Dr. Manhattan did, in fact, send Ozzy to Europa, but that it was of Ozzy's free will. That was funny. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And we find out who uh, Crookshanks and uh, who's the other one? I'm blanking. Uh, Miss Fi- uh, Fi- Mr. Phillips. Yes. We find Phillips? out. Yeah. 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 We find out their origins as well. I th- I thought that was really good. Yes, it was really interesting. Yeah, I, I I wasn't a fan of it. I thought it was I thought it worked, but that was kind of contrived. Hmm. I I see why you feel that way, but I also feel that's something that I could see Doctor Manhattan doing. Right, like he doesn't necessarily he wants to create more life. So what's the basis of of that life? You know, is it going to be in his image, um, probably not. He's not. I don't think he's enamored with himself. So who would it be in the image of? You know, these these individuals who who, who helped him. Uh, these individuals who he who are the embodiment of love in his mind because that was the first time he ever saw love. I actually really like that explanation. I could see why you might feel it was contrived, but I, I do think it works. Um, and, and I, I want to know what you guys think about this too. So we find out that, and by the way, all of our predictions, as far as, you know, who was in control on Europa, you know, Dr. Manhattan being the, the, the original master God that left them, we find out that was all correct, but we see him leave them because they don't have the core thing. He, the only thing that he loved about humanity was their free will. They don't have it. They, they're so in love with Dr. Manhattan and willing to do whatever he wants that it's kind of not – it's not interesting. There's not enough heat there. Is that, is that uh, not having free will or is that just subservience? Uh, I guess you could see it as a commentary on on um, religious awe, but for me, i I looked at it. I looked at it as a little bit of both because all of their actions are based around their master. So even in the case of Ozzy, right, they are choosing to jail him. They, you know, they're choosing to throw tomatoes at his face. But it's all every action that they take is based around him. So how much freedom do they have to choose anything if all they can do is do things that, that are based around him? Hmm. Ahead, I like the, the religious analogy. Um, I, I hadn't made that connection, but it, it makes sense in that you know, if, if that is what you want God to be, then you need conflict in order to not bore yourself as God. You, <laughs> yeah. I, I, ironically. Yeah, sure. 
especially a, a living God, right? The, right. The concept of a living God, God being this this person who walks among us. I think that, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, so my question though is, what happens? Because the way the episode ends, and this is it's so weird. I, I, like I don't even know exactly what was even happening, but the way it ends, it gives me the implication that Ozzy's going to escape. So what happens to these people when their god and their master have both left them? How does that affect their minds? Well, we've already seen that Crookshank uh, Phillips is real upset. Yes. Because he was the first one, and he's the, the game warden. Yes. Um, he, he was real upset that Manhattan left and either hasn't come back or won't come back. Uh, so I mean, you got. I, I I would say you got to imagine that he, a minimum, will go off the straight off the deep end. I mean, yes. keep, keeping well, with the the religious analogy, he, he is the the fallen angel, or will become the fallen angel, right? Like he's gonna be Lucifer that tries to launch, like tries to attack and take power. I would assume. Okay, that's interesting. Then, and that could be a, some some sort of um, that could have season two implications, right? Um, yeah, I see him being a villain. That could definitely have season two implications. It do, it does feel a little bit beyond the scope of of how Watchmen typically operates, but um, I don't see another reason to introduce this whole concept if it's not to further it down the road. There's not enough time to resolve that here. Yeah. Um. Do you guys think that 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 Ozzy is is going to get out? Yes, one hundred percent. What what the he, hell? What what object was that? It's a horseshoe. Okay, that's what I thought. But how do you escape Europa with a horseshoe? <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I I guess I didn't see it as much. He's escaping Europa with a horseshoe. I think he's getting out of jail with the horseshoe. The horseshoe. He's gonna uh, Shawshank Redemption his way out of there. I see. And then figure out another way out. Off. Yeah. Off the, yeah. Yeah. Go back to the castle and launch himself through the catapult or whatever. But now we have the answer as to why it was that Doc that um, that Ozzy was not allowed to leave. It wasn't because of a restriction that was placed upon him by Doctor Manhattan. Or anyone else, or even himself, like we had speculated, we find out that it's because these his servants just don't want him to leave. They just they just want him there, uh, which is it's so kind of creepy, um, and it goes back to that religious um, awe conversation. You know, Doctor Manhattan left Saigon, and you see people walking around dressed as him playing with dolls that look like him watching seven hour documentaries about him obsessively and so i i see this as kind of a an, a weird mirror for that moving on uh there there was quite a bit more excitement in this episode uh so we've, we when the episode gets finally to the point at which it picks up from last episode we see that Dr. Manhattan is very confused about 
you know, what's going on, which makes perfect sense because he's, you know, not been around uh, for 10 years and he's trying to trying to orient himself. He, and he starts doing some, some weird stuff. He teleports the kids to Angela's grandfather. And that was so, so crazy. The whole part between Angela, Dr. Manhattan, and Will. Yeah. Because it creates an interesting question. And it goes back to something that happened earlier on in the episode of the chicken or the egg. And that is what this whole episode centers around. What came first? The love. Man, I- Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I fucking hate paradoxes. I don't. Uh, the love that Dr. Manhattan has for Angela or Dr. Manhattan meeting Angela. What came first? Will's desire to kill Judd or Angela's desire to find out how Will knew Judd? Right? Like it creates this crazy sort of paradox. And we find out that actually Angela was the one who started this whole thing by asking Dr. Manhattan how Will knew about Judd in her present, even though Dr. Manhattan was talking to Will in the past. Mind-blowing to me. It It's cool because it presents a really, like, metaphysical question on the non-existence of time. And it, it becomes a thing of, like, so, like, to, to, to your point, like, what came for the chicken or the egg? Well, it's both. Yes. It it is both because it's uh it's proven through 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 theories like quantum mechanics that you have to consider both and the only way to determine an actual output is an experience. But up until then, you have to concede to the fact of just nature that it is both at any point in time. And so because of that, the experience is being done by Dr. Manhattan. He is connecting both of those times by his experience. It's crazy. I love it. I absolutely love it. And and the thing, when it first happened, when Angela first asked Manhattan that question, I immediately thought, come on, man. She doesn't know. She doesn't get that if she asks him that and he's talking to Will in 2009, that he doesn't. That, that Will has no knowledge of any of this quite yet. But then I thought, all right, well, if I was in that situation, would I have a, a, a complete grasp of the way that that, that that would unfold? That's not normal. You know, even though Mar- what Marco just explained makes perfect sense and is correct, we don't experience life that way. Well, and what's also very, very interesting is that the show goes there. You know, Manhattan didn't stop it. You know, like a Doctor Who episode or whatever. No, 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 no. We can't do that. You can't affect the past. Manhattan was just like, yeah, fuck. I'll ask him. Whatever. Yeah. I love it. Because <laughs> he can affect the past. And and that, in turn, affects the future. Um, and and I that, love Doc Manhattan as that character. That it doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. It's just you haven't experienced that moment in your in the lines that you're following. Yes, right. I agree. The problem is that based on the way that we experience life, it does exist. 
Like it's relative. Right. Time and right. time is relative to experience. So for Manhattan, time is whatever. It's 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 all going on. But for us, it's very linear and rooted in the now, the moment that we're in. And we can observe the past, but we can't yet observe the future until we experience it, like you said. Um so yeah, I, I loved that whole sequence. I thought that was so cool, so brilliant. Um and then and then we get into, you know, really the the, the crux, the end of the episode. Dr. Manhattan tells uh, Angela, you know, way back when that this is going to end badly. This is going to end in tragedy. And he, she kind of says, well, why would I get with you then if, if, if that's the case? And he gives an answer that was brilliant and something that I never thought about before. He said, well, what relationship doesn't end in tragedy? Hmm. And that's yeah, a very... That was good. Yeah. It's a dark statement. But it's true. Um, and so I guess that struck a chord with her. But we see what he meant by that. We see that the Seventh Cavalry is, you know, they've arrived and they've come to do what they said they were going to do. And the fierceness that Angela defends her man, I loved that whole. That was an incredible sequence. Yeah, that was rad as hell. Um, and even just getting to see Manhattan in action, yeah. like like not to not to downplay what uh, Regina King and every and 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 the that whole her part in that scene, yeah. But uh, man, seeing Manhattan in action was dope. Yep. Um, but we're not sorry. Going back to to your one um, question, Sean. Um, you had said that how did Angela know or how did Angela know to ask and why Will didn't know? No, that's not what I meant. That's what I what I said was why didn't she realize that asking that question would would cause this? Because well, go ahead. Cuz so so I was thinking about that and I thought it was cuz she at that point realized who he was. In that he was hooded justice, right? So, yeah. but but knowing that and knowing what he was already in pursuit of, she had thought maybe he had already pieced that together, and being a detective, tried tried to figure that out. But that in instead inserted a piece for him, right? But Sean's Sean's point is she didn't like. You're right. But you're also missing the the timey wimey nature of it all. That in 2009, this wasn't this wasn't happening, right? Like the plan wasn't in motion, as far as we have any awareness of. She certainly doesn't know that. So why? So that being said, why wouldn't she realize this question will go nowhere? Because Will in 2009 doesn't know about any of this. He's in New York not Tulsa. He's living his life as an old man in New York. She knows his life already. She 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 took the memory pill. She already knows what he was doing in 2009. So, yeah, that was that 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 struck me weird at first, but like I said, I then I then understood, well, she's a human. She doesn't have just because she's been with this guy. They were only together for 6 months. 
the 10 years has been with Cal. Did that bother you guys at all, by the way, that she had such a deep love for John that she was willing to sacrifice Cal, even though they had been together for such a short time? Uh, no, because I think, I think, um, I think she always knew it was going to come to this. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. At some point. It ends in tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Based on that alone. Uh, but even still, like when the plan was hatched, like I, I think, I think she, she she yeah she knew from the beginning they weren't gonna have a a a happy ending so you know i'm sure i i can't imagine it wasn't difficult but she she's also you know a cop she's the kind of person that can you know pull the trigger when when it needs to be pulled and and i think what was interesting was when he did transform back and she commented sort of in sort of in shock that oh you 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 still look like him because it, it it seemed to me that she was expecting him to go back to his original form rather than like in this altered form mm-hmm. so it was interesting to think that maybe parts of cal started to get infused into him that mm. started to become inseparable he's as much cal as he is john osterman and dr right. manhattan yeah i feel like cal is a better man than john though Oh yeah, but but it's the same person. It's no. just well, no, no. It's the same like person. It's just the mind that's being altered. Those memories still happened. Just hit. Uh, yes, but there's he, something. He, it's it's like it's like saying, like he experienced all of this, but what unlocked Doctor Manhattan was that he forgot that his favorite color was blue instead of green. But his. The memories are what made him Doctor Manhattan. The right. memories, the memories of being able to see quantum physics happen in the blink of a turd. You know <laughs> that having that memory makes him go, "Ah, oh, right, I'm Doctor Manhattan." But when he can't, when he can't even fathom the fact that he could that he could do that, makes him cow. Even right. beyond that. The ent- I'm sorry, Marco. Go ahead. No, I, I, I like right. That's that, that's what I mean. Like it's like because of that, it, it's entirely possible that they're the same person. He just had like amnesia about something, experienced experienced life, but he'll still have those memories. Like he just gets his memories back, but he still had the memories that he experienced. The show has been very clear about about how it wants us to think about memory, right? With respect to the fact that memories make man. Memories make humans what they are. So much so that currently someone on the show is having memories fed into their brain to make them into another person. Right? Beyond is becoming um, True's mother by them inserting memories into her mind. Uh, Angela could have become Will if she wasn't able to get the Will's memories out of her brain. So because Cal cannot remember being Dr. Manhattan and not just being Dr. Manhattan, but being John Osterman, 
right? Because he doesn't have, he's not Jewish. He didn't, you know, he didn't have to flee Nazis. All of those things make you. So because he didn't have those things, he isn't John. He can't be. Well, so think about it like. No, no, you're right. Oh. But in the show, the with what the show is tell, has told us all along, he's he's not. Like when, you know, you're explaining it to us, yes, Dr. Manhattan is Cal. At the same time, he's Dr. Manhattan. At the same time, he's John Osterman. But according to the show and what the show has set up and what the show is trying to tell us, that's not true. Then the show's wrong. (laughs) Yeah. But it's called a story, dickhead. Well, remember remember what uh, I believe it was Lady True said to Angela about Cal's amnesia. She said... That type of amnesia only exists on television. That doesn't happen in real life. People don't have full full memory loss really ever. So you again, that examination that you laid out is based on what would generally happen to a real person. You generally speaking, if you were to have amnesia be localized, you would forget certain things but not others. The core of you would still be you. But if we erased your memory today, Marco, you wouldn't be you. You'd be a blank slate. And I could tell you anything. I could drip feed you memories just like we are seeing happen to Beyond, and you would become someone else. You'd become exactly who I wanted you to be, which is what happened with Cal. Maybe we should start doing that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm down. That's fun. It's a Cal Osterman hybrid. Uh, can I just put something out there? Yeah. Nope. I didn't like the look of Doctor Manhattan at the uh when we see him as Cal. Wait, when we see the Cal Doctor Manhattan, the present day Doctor Manhattan when he's walking around on the in the kitchen in the. Uh, on on the pool and whatnot. It's a little jarring. Uh, you we we brought up on the main show uh, the Crisis on Infinite Earths costumes and the CW ification of of uh, of the super, the DC superheroes. This looked way goofier than all those. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I it, re- it wasn't the best. I, I really expected uh, HBO to do better on that front. <laughs> mm, yeah. I thought he looked uh, pretty okay before that. Yeah. Yeah, before that, he looked fine. Uh, but when you, in the moments when you can kind of see him blink in and out of like trying to decide whether or not he's going to be like a human and you can see uh, the actors like real eyes and stuff and they painted the little circles or whatever under his uh under his eyes man that's real goofy looking (laughs) i don't know if you guys caught this but you could also like if you looked real close at his hands you could see the brown under the blue really that was that was tripping me out bad yeah Yeah. damn i i i thought i saw some stutter in like one of the scenes stubble stutter like in in its transition, like across the street, uh, across the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. You, I I don't remember the scene, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I imagine it's pretty hard to pull off what they did, and and I, I do want to say that I think this episode deserves a lot of praise for the way that it was edited because 
this is the kind of episode that comes together in the edit because it's not linear and it, it's there's so many different things at play. Um, and again, you know, to 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 get it to resemble or not resemble, but capture the essence of what those comics were like. You know, the doc, the the ones that featured Doctor Manhattan and him doing what he does to get that feeling in television, even in film. That's got to be really hard. Yeah, I was really impressed with how they pulled that pulled that off. Um, so ultimately, because I said earlier, I love this episode. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was tremendous. Is this your favorite episode yet? How do you guys feel about the episode with all of that stuff, you know, put together? <laughs> In light of everything, I think it was a really good episode. Um, I think there were some moments for me that maybe it didn't really need, or like I, I you know, I the the sex scene where he finds Lady, whatever, uh, Crookshanks and Phillips. But like, I mean, outside of that, it was it was a really good episode. Uh, the Hooded Justice one is still my favorite. Um, but this was at least like a solid second, second or third. I'd have to rewatch it to, to, but like second or third. Yeah, I think I feel similarly. I, I, I do feel like it was very, very strong and I like what it puts, what it puts out there and also ties together. But I think, I, I think the, whatever the last episode was that I said was my favorite probably still stands. The Looking Glass episode, maybe? Yeah, yeah, that was yours. That sounds right. I don't think I feel that this was my favorite. The Hooded Justice one is still my favorite. The internet has been going berserk for this episode. IGN gave it a 10. Uh, it's been receiving very, very high praise. And I think it deserves all of that. I think... Nothing could beat the Hooded Justice episode that this show could do. And I'll just honestly, that's just my... That's how I feel about it because of the the race of it, the, the way that race played into that episode and Will Reeves' struggle as a black man and the way that it played with identity. Identity is such a huge um, – I'm very intrigued by the identity and the way that that episode played with identity is something that I really loved. So I don't feel like that could be topped, but if an episode was going to come close – this one came as close as, as any uh, have from the rest of the show so far. What happens next? Manhattan comes back. Oh, well, we so this is something that I, the internet seems confused about. And I'm not really sure why. All that device was supposed to do was teleport him to where he needs to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that's what they said. No, it's going to... Because I think he said it. It's going to kill me. Yeah, he said he was going to die. He said he's going to die, but he didn't say that that blast was what was going to kill him. I'm, I'm, I, th- I thought they needed to get him. They needed to teleport him. To the intrinsic field. To the, Yeah. They need him there. So my I guess my question about that is do you, um, in, the, in the scene with Ozymandias – 
where he's uh, dumping the squids or whatever. Do, do you think that's the same technology? Just yes, it's yeah. teleporting. Okay, the, yeah, the, the portals. Yeah, okay, because he opens another sense, dimension. Then. Yeah, to get it from there to there. And and that's what the seventh cavalry were messing with too, with the basketballs. That's why they were doing that because they needed to yeah. perfect it so they could teleport Doc Manhattan. But the idea altogether, though, is that they're going to teleport him somewhere, take his power, and he's going to die. Yeah. Uh, but specifically, he's not going to die because he says, and I I don't know if you heard me swear earlier, nobody acknowledged it. Uh, he straight up says, uh, Angela asks him, what are you doing on the pool? You can walk on water now? And he says, yes. And I need you to, you'll need to be able to uh, look back and remember on this here in 20 minutes or something. Yeah, he's, yeah, he said this will, you'll need to see this for later. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so what does that mean to you? He's got. He's gonna live, or she, or at the very least, it's it's enough uh, that what he said will carry Angela to believe that he's gonna live. But I also think he's, you know, telling that to us too. Well, my theory is that she will get his powers. Interesting. Oh. So, in the conversation that they have at the bar, he says. He says something to the effect of she wants him to create life. So he creates the egg. And she's like, that's an egg. And he's like, yeah, but it's life, right? Um, and then he says, she says, so you can, uh, he says, if I gave my powers to this egg, something like that. I don't remember the exact verbiage. Right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. she says, so he says, I can give, I can infuse my power into organic matter. And then they dropped it. That in, in conjunction with the line at the pool made me believe that he's done with all this crap. He doesn't have a reason to be around anymore. I think he's going to give his powers to Angela and call it a day. Huh. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting. And right. then God will be a woman. Because it doesn't it matter. It's a, it's a conception. Or, or it's, a, it's an idea. God is a woman. Oh, if you say so. I think God's a Dr. Manhattan. Well, the doctor. The doctor is the mother. Have you ever heard that riddle? No. <laughs> a man, a man and his child are in a really bad car accident. Uh, the man is a doctor, and he can't, but he can't operate on the child. How does the child get saved? The wife is a doctor. I don't know. I messed it up. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's, that's that's the yeah. So. So he's just like gonna leave with, if that turns out to be true, does that fit his personality to just leave his power yeah, to somebody else to to just oh. die? To just to like wouldn't wouldn't that be seen more as a punishment from his perspective? So much so that he had to give up his own existence in order to escape the apparent monotony of what was it like twenty years? Doesn't that seem like a punishment? A punishment for whom? For Angela. Because she must now exist in that. I mean, that's that's interesting. I think the the history of the individual matters a lot here. Uh, before John was already like a super analytical, kind of aloof type of guy, 
I could see how him getting godlike power would result in this life that he's had to lead. But more importantly than that, I think the reason he's lived in monotony for so long is because his job was done. The Watchmen comic book presents us a character who has no more purpose. And that sequence that I brought up between him and Ozzy exemplifies what I'm talking about. Both characters don't have a reason to exist anymore. So they're kind of just sitting around, you know, doing nothing. And that's it. So if that's the case, what is the need for Dr. Manhattan to continue to exist beyond this show? I also think I also think in the matter of like the public perception, if he does pass his powers to Angela, at least for the moment, Angela is going to stay on Earth and she's going to do her Angela Manhattan thing. Uh, whereas when he disappeared, nobody knew where he was. And so the whole world was left speculating that he's a god and he's going to save everything or something wildly different. Yeah, so I, I forget if it gets explained in the Looking Glass episode, but why why is there proof that that's a, like outside of him saying, but like why do people not think that he's on Mars? Or think that he is, but really not. Like, you can't you see with a telescope? If there's a blue guy on Mars, yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that you'd he, be able to see something that specific. He, a blue guy on a red planet. Yeah, definitely. I bet. I bet you would. <laughs> uh, like but you can. Uh, you can prove that. I think he said it's a. He said it's a decoy, but I don't remember what he said. I think I was, was too it busy decoy? making jokes. I thought it was a decoy oh, yeah. broadcast. That's right. No, I thought yeah. it was just a broadcast. He said it was they, a recording of him. They do think he's on Mars because they showed it. Right, right, right. But yeah. like, but 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 like, how can you think that if you can just look up and he's not there? <laughs> like that's stupid. I mean, the show is wrong. Huh. Well, how many of those people are looking up? Everybody, hello. Do you not want to catch a picture, your own picture of Dr. Manhattan on Mars? That's pretty fucking cool. I was the astronomy nerd kid. I don't know, yeah, man. You're, you're not from Tulsa, Oklahoma, so <laughs> they don't give a shit there. Dr. Manhattan can project himself in multiple places at once. Maybe he's had a body rolling around over there for the longest just to be there. You know, I don't know. I, I think it's a question worth asking. I'd have to go back and watch. See if there are more uh, hints at that, but details. Uh, yeah. Um, in any event, I think the finale of this show is going to be something special. There is a history with Damon, at least in my experience, of not sticking the landing. So hopefully that doesn't continue. That trend doesn't continue here. A lot of people hated the ending of Lost, but Lost was a show that certainly went on way too long. This is the ending of a nine episode season one so i have a hard time believing that they can't wrap this baby up i'm very much looking forward to it yeah i i agree with that i think i think he's definitely leading up to something enormous and i think he's going to be able to land it uh, just considering this reveal yeah this reveal was huge right the hooded yeah. justice episode was huge the angela episode was huge uh, like he's he's been hitting the mark uh consistently and one is more ambitious 
than the last in a lot of cases, and they've been, they've delivered. So I I I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be really good. Kale, I I am cautiously optimistic. I you know like as you said with uh, with Lost, there is a there is a track record there, but also I'm just like man, how are they gonna land this plane? <laughs> like I just I don't I so badly don't want to be disappointed. <laughs> Yo, where's where's Looking Glass? <laughs> See, I thought he was gonna save the day. And help Angela kill the Seventh Cavalry in this episode, and then it didn't happen. And then, of course, Doctor Manhattan ended up helping her. But I thought that's what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Speaking of which, just real quick, I want to throw this in there. We did get an answer as to who saved Angela on the White Knight. It was Cal, Doctor yes. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. The auto reflex kill thing. One quick thought on that point, though, is like. Did he did he not think about oh crap how did I just do that? I I would imagine I guess I would imagine not Cause, well, because well it it's if the, it was, sorry I, no please sorry <laughs> fine since it was the use of his powers his memory came back for that instant and it got suppressed again so he just doesn't remember having those powers again. Yeah, I would. I would also bet that just with like a reflex, it was, you know, it was one of those things where it was just like, "Oh fuck, did I do that? No, that's not possible." Well, it was weird anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and also, now that we know for sure, confirmed that he can transfer his powers to organic matter, he definitely gave his powers to that weird kid, right? Man, I think so. Wait, what weird kid? I think I think that weird kid is gonna be the new Manhattan. Angela's kid has powers. Did I miss that? The long-haired kid, and I think he does. Maybe he doesn't. He does. But I think he does. He Wait. does. He used them. But he moves the kids. Um, how, how do we know that? Because in like episode two, the kid is like floating things in the air. No one. There's this. Go ahead. There's this. Um, what looks like a like a model kit of some kind that he's he's building. He's piecing together, and uh, it's floating and kind of spinning. And when Angela comes to talk to him, he keeps working on it, and then he gets mad and smashes it. Later on, we see that same model kit on Europa with. Ozymandias. And also, he was able to see what was happening at the funeral, the burial for Judd without having been there. He knew what took place. You guys remember that? Or. Okay, remember when after that whole sequence where Angela saves everybody from the bomb, she goes back home and she goes to the bunk bed with that kid and he's she's saying, uh, Oh, um, you know, he, he asked her like, oh, what happened? What took you so long to get home? And, and she says, oh, they wanted to ask me a lot of questions. And then he says, um, were you were you scared or something to that effect? And she's like, well, didn't you see it? And he's like, he says, like, no, I didn't. But then they show the flashback 
of her doing of what happened, implying that he did see it. I'm gonna go back and watch that episode. I encourage you to yeah, do the same thing. That. It was 100 percent implied that he was able to see um, what we even we talked about it on this show. Because weren't they there, the kids? Yeah. Oh, maybe they were. I don't remember they, them being there because it was Judd's funeral, uh, and Judd was a family friend. They all, the kids and everything, knew Judd and and his wife. Yeah. Because uh, they had they had dinner in the first episode, yeah. they all had dinner together. So, I I think they were there. I don't remember them being there, but um, I'll I'll find out the answer and come back with that uh, for the next episode. Real quick before we wrap up, was there anything on PDPedia that was worth talking about? Yes, something actually very very interesting. So, um, there wasn't a ton on PDPedia, but there uh, there was a. Uh, PD wrote a, a, su- a summary of some kind about a, uh, a a book of Vietnam soldiers' experiences uh, by the guy who wrote the pirate stories in the original original Watchmen book. Oh, oh! So it's this really in-depth uh, book that has really heartfelt and emotional uh really visceral stories about uh men who were in vietnam and sort of uh, served while manhattan was doing his manhattan thing and apparently this book is like the book for soldiers at the time so they have this contest and th- this is all according to pd in he wrote a memo about it so they have this contest uh, where if you write like a a good summary of the book, you get like a trophy or whatever. And Petey apparently got fiftieth place out of something like two hundred or something. And so his summary, I'm not, I I won't go into the whole thing, but it's about a a guy called Howard McNulty, and Howard McNulty is. Uh, something called a frog dancer, a fog dancer. Uh, so I'm just going to re- read this brief excerpt and you tell me if it's interesting. Okay. Fog dancers do the ghastly wet work that grease the wheels of the American machine and mop up proof of all the sick stuff you're not supposed to do during combat. The canisters of toxins, the animals with weird boils, all the charred bodies who can still breathe and talk. See him now in your mind's eye, moving through boiling clouds of sunset haze, wearing his gas mask and skin-tight silver suit, shimmering with SPF 666, looking slick and doing what must be done in secret to keep you and me and all of us free. <gasps> Wait. Yeah. Whoa, what? Oh, yeah, guy. It. <laughs> it's Lube guy. <laughs> Oh, so in the in the first episode is the first one? No, first or second episode? Second, uh, I think. There's a uh, this mysterious guy in this all silver skin tight suit and a gas mask watching uh, Sister Knight throw a a body or something. No, it was the clan rope uh, over the uh, over some overpass onto a train, and she chases him, and he. 
disappears. He uh, he lubes himself up and he's uh, fucking. Uh, what do you even call that? He, he goes back on his. He yeah, goes, <laughs> he goes back slid. on his back. He he Saturday night fevers down into a sewer grate. And so the implication is that he's he was doing what? Well, that much I don't know, but what these fog dancers do is clean the ghastly wet work that greases the American machine and mop up proof of all the sick stuff you're not supposed to do during combat. Oh, interesting. So they're like uh, like this they're the guys spies. Who, they're, they're tattletales. No, they're the cleanup crew. For the dead? Well, for the good guys. Like after they're the people. You go ahead. They're the people who come in and make sure there's not a scene. So then what was he cleaning? Yeah. Hmm. I like that. That's a nice little little tease for next episode. There's still so many questions left to answer, and they've got to do it in, in just about an hour uh, here on episode nine. I'm very much looking forward to it, as I said before. Hopefully, they can stick the landing. We've got Lady True to figure out what's going on with the elephant. What's the Millennium Clock? Um, uh, there's like a million questions. What's up with Lube Guy? Where's Looking Glass? Where's Yo, Lube Guy? What if, what if Lube Guy becomes Dr. Manhattan? <laughs> All right. With that... <laughs> Uh, we're gonna we're gonna call it a day here. If you guys like this, if you like listening to us talk about Watchmen, you can also listen to our weekly podcast, The Comics Pals, which we do reviews of comics, analysis of of books, and you know talk about the news and everything that's going on in that space. Uh, we also talk about the films, everything that you love about these these hooded heroes and villains. Um, so check us out there. And of course, if you want us anywhere on the internet, you can search at the comics pals and we will come up. You can write to us with your thoughts on this show or anything else at the comics pals at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week for the finale of HBO's Watchmen. Thank you for listening. And with that, we're the comics pal signing off. Take care guys. You guys notice how, uh, we got this Dr. Manhattan episode. We got to see cows. Big old wang. Yeah, well and dad.